Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to USTA Florida's Year to Serve podcast. My name is Laura Bowen, and I'm the Executive Director for USTA Florida. And as we kick off our fall season, I couldn't be happier than to have a very special guest today to talk about USTA Florida's outreach into the, the Hispanic community. I'm joined by Marcelo Goats. Marcelo is a member of the USTA Florida board where he serves as our treasurer. But more importantly, Marcelo has been growing tennis in the Central Florida community for more than 40 years as a director of tennis and also a valuable um, person as part of the Orange County Park and Recreation System. So welcome, Marcelo, and thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Laura. Buenas tardes. Yes, buenas tardes. Uh, <laughs> how are you doing? Thank you so Spanish. much for the opportunity again, and it's, it's a pleasure being here, um, being part of this uh, series of podcasts, and um, just bringing up uh, community inclusion and um, just the great opportunities that our game has bringing out to people and uh, members of our community. So I'm very glad just to be here with you this morning. I always enjoy spending time with you, Marcelo. Over the 10 years that I've been at USTA Florida, um, you have always been such a kind and um, driven person in terms of serving the community. You've taught me so much about what it means to do to com do community outreach, particularly in the Hispanic community. We're gonna get into that in just a little bit, but I wanted to see if you would mind sharing a little bit of your own background in Hispanic heritage with our audience so that they can get to know you a little bit. Well, thank you so much. And like I said before, um, tennis has been a, a very welcoming uh, since I, my beginnings here in Orlando in 1982 when I moved uh, recently from Argentina. Uh, as a young, aspiring tennis player that wanted to conquer the, you know, uh, tour or play in the tour. And um, shortly after that, I just started to meet a lot of great people that are welcoming here to Central Florida. Um, you know, just uh, opportunities to start training here. Back in the days, um, there was a lot of friends that I met uh, here that they were from, uh, you know, Spanish backgrounds. And um, that made that community that even more special for me. Um, so it was back in 92 where tennis was growing here in Central Florida. We didn't have, you know, obviously the national campus and all the great things that came afterwards. But um, everything was just uh, really coming together. And um, I felt that, um, you know, tennis has, has, was opening doors for me that eventually I wanted to open up for other people as well. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, when you first came to Florida, I'm sure it was, you know, overwhelming in some regards. What was it about tennis? You talked about maybe meeting friends and, you know, others. What was it particularly about tennis that made you feel welcome and at home in Florida being sort of not from here? Um, what role did tennis play in you feeling comfortable in Florida? Uh, well, I just um, a, a lot of times we, we we organize activities and events, but uh, tennis player has uh, a very unique um, opportunity that once you come in with the tennis rackets and, and people are seeing you that you play, everybody wants to kind of welcome you and say, hey, come and play with us and, and join us. And I have another friend that brings in. So that is the beauty of the sport and the game that outside everything that we do to organize activities, um, people find a way to do it and, and organize themselves and play and, and network. 
Um, so that part, I felt that uh, it was very special and it's because uh, our sport unites all of us. Um, and there's a common denominator. Um, a lot of times we bring the Spanish or the uh, somebody that is uh, from, from Europe. Um, tennis is uh, the common denominator, is what, you know, really join us at the net and uh, allow us ultimately just to all, you know, just try to figure out how the other person speaks or what their culture or background is. Um, but we all have some, one thing in common. We like to hit the ball over the net. <laughs> That, that that was basically what tennis has been for me. Um, everywhere I went, my racket went with me, and then friends came along. Um, so based on that experience, um, you know, tennis became obviously when I was here in Central Florida, and um, people of a Spanish background approached me. It was just a little connection, and and and, and we share more things culturally, and things are happening in in, in tennis in itself, but. Um, we sh surely go back to the uh, to the common denominator. It's like how do we hit the forehand better? How are we doing this? How are you playing this player? Yeah, you know when you think about Florida, you know you just said you'd been here since 1982, and when you think about Florida and the diversity of our population, that's something that's always kind of been with us in Florida. How would you describe the role that the Hispanic population? has in all that we do in our communities with tennis you know how vibrant is that community across our state uh well it's um in, in central florida it's been always part of us like you said you know we we uh, welcome a lot of visitors here and um ultimately just a lot of families from you know latin america have found home here and um, once once they kind of really gather in their communities, they're they like to kind of stay together uh, and participate in activities and events. So they all sometimes come as a group. You don't mm -hmm. sometimes have one person, but sometimes you have even two families that show up, and they all want to kind of participate and get integrated. So um, soon after, you know, you just have a whole group that is participating and truly wants to get integrated with everything that goes on at the parks and public facilities. So um, I think that as, as, as a community itself, I think that what we do here is providing these type of playing spaces, identify where they could play. Um, a lot of times um, the welcoming is very important because tennis could become a little intimidating when somebody shows up and see a group playing good tennis and um, having the opportunities to do programs like we did with Tennis Paratotos in the past or initiatives to get people out there on the court to try it and said, this is something that you could do and fun um, and have that little uh, Hispanic approach where you say, well, we could even, you know, just communicate with you if you have um, a problem with the language. I think it's very important. And it's something that I've seen uh, magnifying over the last uh, few years with a lot of, um, you know, big families that have moved to Central Florida and they come in and um, they, they want to get involved. They want to get back to you know their normal life or what they were doing at home and they want to get their children involved. And, mm -hmm. and in that welcoming um, over the last two years has been definitely to me um, a, a, a very important uh, factor of what we do because I feel that uh, 
you know, they're they're coming here uh, looking for that quality of life and tennis could, could give them that. They remember that, they associate that, they appreciate that. And uh, being able to have that opening, welcoming face and a lot of times the language helped. Um, right. That's to come over and said, um, well, um, do you speak Spanish or uh, you know, and you could tell that they're really trying to kind of make that effort, but uh, their their faces when you speak back to Spanish to them, it's like, oh, well, I feel I feel good. Uh, it's uh, so I funny you that. say that. I, I have such a, a fun story about you. Um, we we had talked about the importance of language quite a bit when we launched our tennis paratotos initiative back in 2014, and I remember having an event at Lake Kane. And it was sort of a tennis paratotus event. We were welcoming people in to play who had not played before. And there were these two ladies that came in and they didn't really approach the desk, which is I was working the desk. They were sort of floating on the outside a little bit. And I was like, oh, do you want to play? And they were like, no, 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 no. You know, and then you you came off the court and you saw them and and you immediately spoke to them in Spanish and it was like then they went to play and it was one of those moments where it was like having a Spanish speaking teaching pro that like you someone from the community really does make such a difference and we're very blessed in Florida that we have a lot of our our teaching professionals like you um speak the language, you know, speak a lot of language. We have a lot of diversity there in terms of, um, you know, Hispanic teaching pros. So I wanted to get your perspective on that when you think about Tennis Paratotos and the fact that it has been successful, what sticks out in your mind as, you know, why it's been successful and the type and why it's had the impact it has had on our community, where now we have a lot of the Hispanic community playing tennis. We see them in our leagues. We see people come to our sectional events. Like uh, I would say our tennis is very bilingual now. We hear Spanish spoken just about everywhere. What to you was really successful in that initiative that was able to reach more players? Uh, just the fact that we, we had a welcoming initiative that caught their attention initially and they could read underlines and they said, well, this is something that maybe somebody thought for me. And um, once they kind of come in, a couple of weeks later, they're making friends with just people in the community that don't speak Spanish. And they're, again, the game is uniting us and everybody's making the effort to communicate and, you know, long, short after long, and, they're actually speaking English the best to the best of their ability. Um, and it's kind of neat to see it with the family when the children come. And initially, sometimes a family has just moved here recently. Children speak very little English. And, you know, you see them a year later and they're like they don't speak Spanish anymore. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, no, no, it's just like, you know, I like to speak English, but um, it just I think it's ultimately, you know, just opening the door for our communities. And and um, and then we do have right now a very large um, uh, Portuguese speaking community with a lot of Brazilians coming here to central Florida. And um, there's there's sometimes uh, uh, similarities in, in, in the language or trying to speak. So uh, many times we end up speaking with somebody uh, uh, half Portuguese, half Spanish and, and mm -hmm. trying to kind of. Uh, with how to communicate, but um, 
that is actually how our community is. It's so diversified here in Central Florida, where we have people moving in from, you know, Latin America uh, and Europe and everywhere. And everybody is, is in a way welcome. We, one of the things that we have is that we so used to, to that type of environment that there's a nature of being welcoming. Mm -hmm. Even people that, um, I mean, staff that don't speak Spanish and they're there, they need to, they, they know how to navigate that. They're making everybody feel welcome. They're trying to kind of get their information best they can. And they're yeah. trying to put us in contact with somebody that speaks Spanish. So. Yeah, we're very lucky we have such a great volunteer network. I mean, I know that um, we've talked a lot about Brazilians and, you know, how can we be more welcoming and make sure that we have people who do speak Portuguese. And I think, like you said, it's just something we have to look at all the time because our community here in Florida has been diverse from the very beginning. I mean, that's sort of our history of Florida is um We've always had diversity here and we always will and we appreciate it and we embrace it. And it's just, hey, how do we do a better job of serving the community as it grows, evolves and continues to to diversify? I, I want to talk about public parks and low cost programs, which you've been a big supporter of. And when it comes to reaching out to new and diverse participants, how important is it to really do that in the public park space and offer low cost? I think what you say is sort of, um, you know, high invitation, low intimidation. I love that term. And you say that a lot. Like how how important is it for us to to do this work in the public park space? Um, it's, it's everything. It's just starts at the parks and it starts with having welcoming centers that we used to talk in the past where somebody could just reach out and say, well, in this particular place, this particular night, there's going to be a, a welcoming event. Mm. And um, I think that beyond just one just big day where we do that, which is fine, I think that there has to be a continuity on it mm -hmm. because that person that missed that day might be coming in the following week. So if these welcoming centers have something in their schedule where it's just going to be that night of orientation, you come in. Yeah. And one hour set aside for welcoming where you're going to test, you know, how to play with new rackets or how to be on a court and how to kind of really get this high invitation, low intimidation factor where you come in and say, oh, come over, we're going to have a free trial on this particular night. Yeah. And it's uh, an inclusive event with, you know, just games and fun, a uh, little bit of cardio, which is everybody, you know, could benefit from it. Um, I think that that will be huge and it has to take place at the park. So it starts at the parks and it, that's where it grows. Um, shortly after that, with that being said, um, we had to kind of have uh, programs in place because the next question is said, I had a great time doing this. When do I come next? Yeah, now what? What's and my next one? Thing? That one. So um, that that is actually our goal to kind of create that, you know, have that segue and then have an opportunity for participants to say, well, look, I'll, there's two or three things that I could do. Maybe I can do leagues, but I would like to come every night, every once a week and just do a little bit of cardio and tennis and learn along the way and meet some people. It's just my little night of something I could put on my schedule. And it's a very open and welcoming type of program, which 
we, we do quite a bit, you know, with uh, Love to Learn, Love to Play, which is right. the uh, brand. Um, but I think that the, um, the, the welcoming uh, nights or welcoming centers are huge and has to happen in public parks. Yeah. And, you know, COVID, unfortunately, that was one of the things that made it difficult, right, when the COVID environment to have more of these welcoming everybody come out type of events. And I'm really hopeful that, you know, if we can kind of get through the period we're in now in the fall, that maybe we can start having more of those in USTA Florida can really be out there doing a lot more of those events with our public park partners. That is one of our goals. We were hoping to do that this fall, you know, and well, COVID threw us sort of a little monkey wrench in there, but um, you're totally right. When we were doing those family play welcome events that led into things like love to learn, love to play or youth programs. And it really has been successful for us. So, uh, you know, as we celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month, we'll start putting our thinking caps back on to how do we get back out there and do more of, of those family style play events. Yeah, that's great. As we kind of look ahead, this is this is kind of my last question for you. And you're so smart and you come up with you're willing to try anything, which is just such a blessing for us to have. When we look ahead to the future of tennis here in Florida and how much our Latino population is growing, I think Orange County or um, the city of Orlando might be the, the fastest growing um, city for the Hispanic population right now. I, I think that's the case. I hear that from a lot of our partners. And I think I saw that in some of the census data. What do we need to do as USTA Florida differently or better to help bring even more people into the sport from diverse backgrounds? Uh, well, we need to continue identifying where the opportunities are. There are areas that uh, could probably have um, a little more participation here in Central Florida. Um, you know, Osceola County is a perfect example of that. Um, it's always been a vibrant market of participation. Um, and there are facilities that, you know, could, uh, in the past have benefited tremendously from any type of initiative on uh, incentive programs that we did. So I believe that it be identifying where these areas are, where the realistics opportunities for growth because um, along the way we need facilities and we need providers and ambassadors. Um, some areas will welcome those faster if there's a lot of already participation and leaks in one particular venue, uh, might not conduct, be conducted to a lot of growth. Yeah. But there's areas that might be underutilized and that's where we could focus a little bit more on that. So I believe that it'll be identifying those markets and then have a plan that is specifically um, for, for them. And I think that we'll see a lot of success and growth in those areas we need most. So that's what we need to work on, right? The next round. And I know Asiola actually was on our original tennis paratotos list. And like you said, um, definitely want to give Asiola some more love and 
um, work closely with them. And, and I think for anyone listening to this podcast, if you're in the Hispanic community and you play tennis and you'd like to get involved in volunteering or becoming a coach, a community coach, it's, um, something we definitely need more of. And so you can certainly reach out to me or Marcelo at any time and say, Hey, I'd like to get involved. I'd like to deliver community-based programs in my community. And we'd love to help anybody and everybody do that. So we'll, we'll hopefully get some people to listen to this podcast and raise their hand and say, Hey, I'd like to help. We would love to have, you know, just volunteers, like you said, ambassador coming in, um, the, you know, confidence that we're going to walk them all the way through a success and ultimately just to enjoy the sport that we all love. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Marcelo, for joining me on the podcast today. I know this won't be the last time that we talk about Tennis Paratotos, and um, you've always been a great champion for tennis in Central Florida and for the Hispanic community and all the diverse communities we serve. So thank you so much for being with us and for all that you do for tennis. We appreciate Muchas it. Muchas gracias, Laura. Ah, de thank nada. you so much. <laughs> it's always a pleasure, you know, chatting and um, just being in uh, contact with the community. Yeah, you do a great job. For those of you listening to this podcast and the audio-only version of this podcast, be sure to check out USTA Florida's Facebook page so that you can see the full video version. And of course, you can leave your questions and comments for us underneath the podcast. And for all of the episodes of the Here to Serve podcast, including upcoming topics and dates, visit USTAflorida.com slash here to serve. We'll have much more to come during Hispanic Heritage Month. We've got some great profiles of our tennis players and our tennis coaches. So stay tuned to our social media channels and follow hashtag Tennis Paratotos to see all of our content and celebrations during Hispanic Heritage Month. Thank you for tuning in and have a wonderful day.